Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. We have made it to the middle of the month of June. Not we. What do you mean, not we? Somebody's missing. Oh, yeah, but it's still collective we. Well, we have made it to the middle of the month of June. And I don't just mean you and me and Brian Haydad, who can't join us right now, because, I don't know, he's eating catfish or something. Yeah, the, the, I, that, that, not, not, That's not pejorative. No, that's... that's quite, quite literally. Yeah, but there needs, to be, there needs to be some accountability showed, Richard. Because on days when you are not here at the start of the show... We usually spend a lot of time talking about why you're not here at the start of the show. And that it always comes with, well, we're here. We would never be late. And look, oh, how the turntables. Brian Haydad, a guy that so often, and I know he's listening to this, so often gives Richard Cross crap when the show begins him not being there has a black screen displayed right now on our stream because he's not here when the show began. Yeah, but I'm not nearly as childish as he is, so I'm not gonna <laughs> we're not gonna dwell on that. Not at all. Uh we'll uh Brian Haydad will join us in uh, in just a bit. Uh whether he's here or not, <laughs> we and I mean by we I mean all of us who are college football fans have made it to the middle of the month of June, which means we are two and a half months Two and a half months away from the start of the college football season. And I, I guess the news is probably going to slow down a bit at some point between now and the start of the season. But we haven't hit that point yet. Nope. And you've already got uh, pretty much every team's got players back on campus going through summer workouts. About halfway through the first summer term, everybody will be on campus July 1st through the uh, end of July. Maybe there's just a tiny little window where they get to go home at the end of July. And then they come back and, what, later in the first week of August, full-on camp. And then it's a sprint to Labor Day weekend with uh, the weekend before that, the, the week zero games happening. And enough of those to kind of grab our attention and whet our appetite just a little. Not even an appetizer. It's like It's like the snack you grab at the house. Because you're hungry, even though you know you're headed to a dinner that's got an appetizer, but you just need something because your stomach's growling. That's what week zero is going to be. 
And uh, and then we roll into to week one, and uh, it gets here in a hurry. And for every day of the countdown between now and then, we'll be with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. To learn more about the sports book, visit PearlRiverResort.com. Love to hear from you as always on the Ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business. It's backed by world class IT people, professionals that live where you do, right here in Ceasefire Country. Learn more about them online at ceasefire.com slash business. Round one of the U.S. Open. Yeah, we might the, be seeing history unfold right here. The Ricky Fowler show. How long has it been? R- Ricky Fowler went through a stretch where he played bad golf. Like, just bad golf. Couldn't putt. Wasn't making cuts. Tumbled down the world golf rankings. Faded into irrelevancy. And a guy that is so relevant in the sport to fade the way he did is almost mm-hmm. hard to do. Didn't lose any sponsorships. He continued to wear the loud clothes. But Ricky's been kind of chill. And there's some guys that when that happens, they just kind of drift. Not Ricky Fowler. He actually went to work. Didn't do a whole lot of complaining. Was honest in some interviews about the fact that he was struggling with his game. But he knew he was a good player. And all he has done today is go out on the back nine and make a birdie on 10 and a bogey on 11 and a birdie on 12, and a par on 13, and a birdie on 14, and a par on 15, and then birdied 16, and bogeyed 17, and birdied 18. He went out in three under. That's out in 32. And on the front, which is his back, he has made five more birdies and is headed to the par three ninth hole trying to close out. He is currently on pace to shoot 30 on the back. Eight under through 17 holes. And if he makes a par on 18, Michael Borky, he will shoot 62 at the par 70 Los Angeles Country Club to uh, to get to stay at eight under. And he is on the green, so a two putt will uh, will get him there. Uh, hit it into what I guess is a creek, but there's not. Uh, like it looks like when it rains, water runs through there, but but when it's it's not like a full time flowing river, mm-hmm. you know. Like, just kind of like this mud bottom, like, creek into the woods and stuff. Thought that the dream of 61 was dead right there, and he birdied from it. Out of the mud. I mean, he stood in the mud where where his ball was in the middle of this temporary creek and hit it through a gap that was like a foot and a half wide and and made birdie from there. He's having one of those days, man. This has been really cool to watch so far. A lot of... um, A lot of complaints about the ease of the course so far... It's not going to stay that way. No, it's not. And look, I mean, the, the truth is, you've only got 21 players in red numbers. Out of a field of 100, what, 156, I think, is the field size. Maybe it's a touch bigger than that for the U.S. Open. There are only 21 players that are under par. And you got a lot of guys that haven't even started their round yet. I mean, a ton of guys who have not hit a golf shot yet at the Los Angeles Country Club. It's just the top of the leaderboard, though. I mean, if you're complaining, just stop. Just stop. It's the U.S. Open. It's going to take care of itself. Ricky at 8-under. Xander at 7-under. Scotty Scheffler is 4-under through 17 and missed a couple of short putts. I mean, he could be at 6. 
Bryson DeChambeau's three under, shot a 67 today. Jacob Solomon, who played his college golf at Auburn but is from the San Francisco area, shot 68. Dylan Wu, Max Homa, Siwoo Kim, Ryan Fox, Paul Barjon, all at two under par, mix of on the course and in the clubhouse. And then a bunch of guys at one under par. And, and like, I, I'm always curious, it's like, who, who's just thrown up on themselves today? Worst round of the day so far belongs to Aaron Wise. He shot a 9 over 79. Oh, Borky. To shoot 79 on that golf course, like me, you, individually. You'd feel How good would you feel going to dinner after shooting 79 at a U.S. Open venue, playing it from 7,000 yards? Oh, my gosh, I couldn't imagine. 7,400 yards, I beg your pardon. And so far, that's the uh, the worst round of the day. Uh, Mississippi's own Hayden Buckley, kind of a tough day at the office for him. He goes out and shoots a uh, 7 over 77. Justin Rose, former gold medalist, major champion. He's, uh, he's plus 6 on his round. So there's some big names that shot some big numbers, but also some great names at the top of the leaderboard and the entire afternoon wave still to come, including Brooks Kepka. He's going to par, so uh, he's got he's got what looks like a foot and a half for 62, and that will tie the first round low score at the U.S. Open. Is that correct? Uh, I believe that that will be the lowest score. I believe that'll be the lowest score in the U.S. Open. Relative to par or actual score? The number. Okay, so 62. The lowest single-round score in a major championship was 62 by Brendan Grace at the Open in 2017. Eight players have shot nine under par. Wow. So he's going to shoot eight under, not nine under. under. Uh, There you go. Somebody said if he birdies, it'll be their best round in major championship history. But not, not too par. But yeah. just the lowest number. Yeah. Still, uh, history. Yeah, regardless. I mean, just what what great stuff. What great stuff. I'm we put a uh, poll we... out there because I'm curious. Because I, I, in one of my group messages, we've been talking about this today. I, one of my friends was like, did you know the College World Series was this weekend? And I was like, it's literally my job to know that. Yes, I did. Uh, but the rest of them were like, I'm going to watch more of the U.S. Open than I am the College World Series. These are all like... All but one went to Ole Miss, but they and the one state guy, and they all watch every single baseball game that their team's playing. Like they they are they are college sports fans, mm-hmm. and all of them are like, eh, I watch the U.S. Open, may or may not watch baseball this weekend. I'll watch both. I love the College World Series. I mean, I I hate that there's not a team from Mississippi in it this year. Certainly would prefer that, but I still love the College World Series. I watched the College World Series long before Ole Miss ever made it. In years that State didn't make it, in years that Southern Miss didn't make it, that they had the the one year where they got there. Um, it is a great event, period. And some of the matchups, I think, are set to deliver some really high drama over the first couple of days. And uh, so, yes, I will watch it. But I am absolutely locked in on the U.S. Open. And I said it yesterday, you know I love a West Coast U.S. Open because you get golf – Late into the evening. Tomorrow, Sports Talk Mississippi will be at M-Trade Park in Oxford for the 2023 Mississippi Bombers Summer Southeast Invite. It's one of the biggest and most prestigious softball tournaments in the country, and it's happening right here in Mississippi at M-Trade Park in Oxford. 
120 teams from 15 states will compete. Last year, over 85 college softball coaches were in attendance to scout some of the best players in the country. So join Michael Borky and me tomorrow from M-Trade Park for Sports Talk Mississippi. Let's go to the junction, in the grove, and to the top. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. So 62 is indeed the lowest round in U.S. Open history. Ricky Fowler at eight under par, and he's only got a one-shot lead. And Xander Shoffley is still on the course and could tie that eight under mark. Two guys playing really, really good golf. You know what else two guys did? They uh, opened the show on time. Um, Gary Williams, <laughs> who's a golf guy, tweets, Day one of the U.S. Open 43 years ago. Jack Nicholas and Tom Weisskopf both shot seven under 63s. You know what the winning score was? Eight under. It's just day one. A lot of golf still to be played. A lot of golf. Imagine that. I, I, I'm late, and of course we lead with golf. Fantastic. Ain't no we, brother. I better well, not was, be late. That's all I, got. I better not be late because it's coming right back. Yeah. Um, you weren't here. We'll lead with whatever we want to, and you don't get to complain about it there, buddy. How was the catfish today? Outstanding. Delicious. Very, yeah. very happy about it. Yeah. yeah, so this was the uh, Thunder and Lightning Catfish Tour with Hey Dad and Robbie. And today yeah. they were in Enterprise, Mississippi. I asked you, I was like, oh, the one right outside New Albany? You were like, nope, the other one. There may be more than one other one, but this was in the uh, like general vicinity of Meridian, correct? Yes, Clark County. Fine people. Okay, very good. How much fish mm-hmm. did you eat? Well, I got it on my phone here. Uh, let's see here. I mean, like I ate, ballpark. We're gonna. We I ate uh, an estimated uh, twenty four ounces of fish, about six fillets. Oh, six? Huh? Were these like mm. the half fillets or the full fillets? Well, I don't know. They're, just, they're about four ounce fillets, is what I was told. So okay, whatever. I, f- I forget you're counting calories. You and your Got apps. It. That's right. You, you and your apps. Ceasefire text lines open, 601-879-4395. You want to give Hey Dad a hard time? That's the best way to do it. We will be sure to uh, to read those tweets. I talked to uh, someone that you know well earlier today, and they're like, man, I don't know how you put up with that Hey Dad guy every day. That's, that's funny. Every time I talk to somebody that that knows you, I get, I don't know how you put up with that Richard Cross. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. I'm not going to tell like you what my response labeled. was, though. Okay. I'll just let you wonder. Just let it hang out there. <laughs> All right. I have a night, response, but, you know, no, nah, no. Nah. Yeah. Last night, we, um, well, yesterday afternoon on the show, it was accurate, by the way. Told you. Mm. Uh, we gave you, we broke for you. Uh, the SEC schedules for Mississippi State and Ole Miss in 2024, a one-off schedule. It is an eight-game conference schedule, not a nine-game conference schedule. 
And uh, we talked about that in great detail yesterday. On that note, mm -hmm. the 8 instead of 9. Remember two weeks ago, literally this time two weeks ago, when college football media... And I'm not talking about guys that play characters like Danny Cannell. He plays a character. He doesn't actually believe what he says. So, you know, if he trolls or whatever, that's fine. But other people that, that cover college football, like Adam Rittenberg at ESPN, for example, those kind of guys, destroyed or tried to destroy the SEC. Cowardly. Disturbing. Those kind of words to describe the SEC staying at eight conference games. Now that we have the schedule laid out in front of us for the 16 SEC teams next year, can you find one of the Big Ten schedule, any one, that is better than any of the 16 in the SEC despite having one fewer conference game? No, you can't. It's it not possible. Exist. It's not possible. But can you imagine if we got one more of these weeks in the SEC? I mean, I can imagine it, and we'll get it eventually, but all that hand-wringing, all that garbage about people like trying to claim that that was what's holding the Big Ten back, that they played the extra conference game, there's not a single schedule that the Big Ten has next year that is more difficult than a single one of the 16 SEC teams. There is not one. I looked at them side-by-side, side, couldn't find one. There isn't one. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm completely with you. And yet, I still want more. Uh, maybe that's maybe that's greedy. Maybe that's gluttonous. Uh, I will I will own up to that. But it's like it's so good, and yet we're still going to have some weeks where we're like, "Jeez, why are they playing these games?" Knowing that we've got good just around the corner, and we had good, you know, just a week ago. But you still got some clunkers that are mixed in. It's fine. We'll, we'll get through it. It's okay. There's a lot to be excited about right now. Simple question to start. And, and, like, I feel like we should lay out the entire landscape, but I don't know that that works on the radio. I, I feel like it might be kind of difficult for us to go through 16 schedules and say, for all 16 teams, these are the eight games. It, it would be monotonous. And, and so there are lists and graphics that are out there all over the place. And if you really want to study it yourself, you should do that. Because I, I don't think that would translate well on the, on the radio. But I will start by asking this. Who got the best draw in 2024 from the SEC? Who was the biggest winner in terms of the schedule reveal for 2024 of the 16 teams that will be playing in the SEC next season? Biggest winner. Who you got? Texas A&M. Texas A&M's home games are LSU, Arkansas in Arlington, Missouri, and Texas. And they will host Notre Dame at Kyle Field. But, but we'll set that aside. Oof. Yeah, because that, that's not the SEC giving it to them. Right, right, right. So in, in, in if you're ranking order of difficulty for the home games, I assume you go LSU 1, Texas 2, Arkansas 3, Missouri 4. Right. think that's how you would rank those? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's possible that you flip LSU in Texas in 2024. Jaden Daniels will be gone. LSU going to lose some pieces to the NFL. How will they rebuild? I, I don't know. We'll see. But some combination of LSU-Texas, their they're two most difficult home games, and then Arkansas and then Missouri, we think. Yeah. And then their road are games. They, are they? 
Is Texas A&M the only school to, to not get Alabama or Georgia? And that is why I, I say that they got the best break. Because yeah. when you look at the three, the three teams that you want to see the least today, now things change a lot in two years, but today, Alabama, Georgia, and I think LSU would be the three that yeah. you that you don't want to play. They avoid two, and they get the third at home. The road games Arkansas for Arkansas didn't get them either. Okay. Yeah, Arkansas got a nice draw. But you remember yeah. Arkansas was the team that got absolutely pile-driven yeah. by the SEC during the COVID schedule season? I mean, their 10-game slate of league games that year was like, holy cow. Uh, road games for A&M at Auburn, at Mississippi State, at Florida, at South Carolina. I don't even know how you rank those one those one through four in terms of difficulty. But it does not feel like in 2024 that any of those four teams, Auburn State, Florida, or South Carolina, and it's not a shot at anybody, it doesn't feel like any of those four are going to be considered elite teams in the SEC in 2024. And those are their four road games. All right, let's flip it around. We'll, we'll dive deeper into this on the other side of the break. The team that was dealt the most difficult hand. Alabama. The, 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 oh, you think so? I think. I was going to say Auburn. Georgia, LSU, Oklahoma. Auburn gets Alabama and Georgia. They do. And they host Oklahoma. Are they... Yeah, so, so they're the only team to get Alabama my, and Georgia? I think so. They are. They are. This would be my argument yeah. for Auburn. Their home games are A&M, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, and Oklahoma. Three of those four, no guarantee you're winning. And their road games are Alabama, Georgia, Missouri, Kentucky. Yeah. I mean, that's not an easy slate. Oh, no. That's not an easy slate at all. And the thing is, none of them are. I, I saw, and I talked to some, some friends and stuff last night, and, and the sentiment was, from some of them anyways, oh, you know, we got we got jobs. Like, th- this this stinks, Sankey, whatever. And thanks to message board geniuses, uh, I've learned today that Georgia fans think that Greg Sankey is out to get them. Mm. Um, that That is something. But everybody kind of feels that way, don't they? And that's a good thing. This these schedules appear to be really balanced. Yeah. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this Thursday afternoon, 15th of June. We got so much to get to. We'll be right back. Mississippi on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi. Make them way downtown, walking fast, faces 
Joe Cook will join us in the 4 o'clock hour on the Farm Bureau guest line. Covers the Texas Longhorns. We'll get a little reaction to Texas's schedule for 2024. And also, if it uh, if it finally feels real. If it felt real or last night was the day. Did, did you guys have a little bit of that as you were kind of going through this and go, okay, we've been talking about this since July of 2021 at SEC Media Days. But... Here we are in June of 2023, and now it feels real because we have schedules, or at least the framework of schedules, that show OU and Texas as part of the SEC, okay, it's coming. I go through one more year of the weirdness, but it's coming. Actually, for sure, legitimately coming. Yeah, I relived. I still think it's one of the biggest ironies we ever had that you were interviewing Billy Lucci when this story broke. I was like, I was trying to like look at you and like look, look at this, look at this. But and That's I remember where, everybody where like you really pil- should have just interrupted. I should have, and I I was telling I was told the story on the air last night. I remember Greg Sankey was on with Matt Moscona, and like the whole media core was just piling around that table to get a no comment. Because he wasn't going to say anything. Mm-hmm. But it does feel real, finally, now. Seeing Mississippi State at Texas, seeing Oklahoma at Ole Miss, they're coming, and they're going, and it's 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 finally here. And I, I think we, we, we talked about this on the, on the call this morning, but, I mean, the SEC should have done away with divisions a long time ago because this this is showing you that how much better it is to have all these new names on your schedule and to see some of the old names go. You know, I think Mississippi State and Ole Miss fans are both kind of happy today that they have Georgia next year, sure, but they don't have Alabama. And that's that's something, you know, you've been wanting to see for a while. Yeah, I, I will say I do think if you're an Ole Miss fan and if through whatever rationale – LSU had not been on the schedule. Let's say you you take LSU off and you replace it with Auburn. I think you'd have been a little bummed about that because that's kind of one of those traditional games. Uh, I've, right. I've heard Auburn fans say that about LSU not being on the schedule. Like, you know what? This is just you know not playing LSU. Come on, come on. Cole Kublik tweeted it earlier today. He's like, man, not not playing Ole Miss or LSU for Auburn in a season. This is going to take some getting used to. And there is some getting used to that, that is going to, to have to happen. But it's not but like s- they're gone forever. No, it's not. This is a one-year schedule. I'll be right back. Well, but e- back. Even if but, uh, it wasn't a one-year schedule, you would still play them, and the right. rotation would be so dramatic compared to what it used to be. Exactly. Instead of going 10, 12 years between playing teams, you're going to go a couple. So I ask, and I didn't phrase it exactly this way, but you'll understand what I mean when I say it. Who was the um, who was the group, the, the team that was sitting around the poker table, and nobody's a good uh, nobody's got a good poker face, and all the cards are dealt, and you get the flop, and you see like a handful of smiles. Okay, I can do something with this hand. And then you got a uh, you got two four offsuit. 
as your as your face yeah. card, as your 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 hold cards. Isn't so, it seven two all the worst hand in poker? Well, whatever. It is. You, you oh, it doesn't matter. matter. Two, two four still not good. F- Florida, yeah. Florida got the I've seven been there. two off. It's Florida. Yeah. Uh, because I mean, their schedule uh, from the SEC perspective, it, it's hard because they're all hard. But what they have chosen to do to themselves in the non-conference is a is mystifying. You kind of got to respect it, though, right? You do. They've got UCF, Miami, and Florida State. So apparently, there's going to be a state championship trophy that's handed out in 2024 in the uh, the Sunshine State. Watch UCF win that. It'd be the second time in as many meetings if it happened that way. And then they get at home LSU A and M Ole Miss Kentucky. Eh, okay. I mean the, the the league you're right, the league schedule is not so bad. If you're a Florida fan. LSU A and M Ole Miss Kentucky. You knew you were playing Georgia in the cocktail party in Jacksonville. You go to Starkville, you go to Knoxville, you go to Texas. Yeah, I mean that that's not easy because none of them are. That's, that's not as bad as say Alabama's, for example. But when you pair their non-conference with that, good lord! Yeah, I mean, there are people that are saying most difficult schedule in the history of college football. I'd be, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it feels like that's a prisoner of the moment take without like doing a whole lot of research. But I don't know that there are many that just immediately pop to mind. It's not like this is tough one. Florida State in Miami of 1992. Right. Well, Florida State might be up there. Uh, it might be. But they'll be replacing uh, Travis as well. Uh, Alabama's, though, could also be in that running. They, they right. don't have the three non-conference games that, that you, you want to pull your hair out over. But they are in Madison, Wisconsin next year. Well, for, for Alabama, from the SEC perspective, it's the road games, right? So they get the Iron Bowl yeah. at home, and they tend to dominate the Iron Bowl when it's in Tuscaloosa. They get Georgia at home, which set Texas and OU aside a second. Georgia at Alabama, whenever it is played, will be the most anticipated college football game of the 2024 season. Period. Doesn't happen that often in the regular season. That's a matchup that you are used to seeing in Atlanta or in the college football playoff. It's going to happen in Tuscaloosa. I wonder when that game's going to be. Will it be early? Or is that when you plop like down on like six. October 10th? Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's the sweet spot for that game. So Auburn and Georgia, Missouri and South Carolina at home. Okay. The road schedule at LSU, at Oklahoma, at Tennessee, at Vanderbilt. You got to go to Baton so, Rouge, Norman, and Knoxville. Combined attendance, so, almost 300,000 for those three games. You look at what Oklahoma is right now. I mean, that's really the only new thing on here. Mm-hmm. And the other thing to consider is this. Other than Georgia, Alabama is better than every one of these programs. Every one of them. They're better than LSU, even though LSU beat them last year. They're a better program. So it's just difficult to schedule for them in a way that makes you go, gosh, it's a tough schedule. I would tell you that I look at that and tell you Alabama's probably going to go 7-1 and one in the conference. They'll lose to Georgia, and that's about it. 
Now, there'll be some tough games. LSU will be tough. Oklahoma will be tough. Tennessee will be tough. But Alabama will be favored. Lost to LSU this. and Tennessee last year. They did. I don't think they'll be favored to lose either one of those games this year. No, uh, they were favored to win that game last year. Both of them. Yeah. And lost them both. So, we'll see. I did see a couple of record predictions last night. I got a good chuckle out of those. I mean, in this era of college football, projecting records two years out is so oh, funny. That's, 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 I mean, it just, that's I mean, a hill at too least far. half the teams, half the teams in the conference, their, the quarterback they'll have in 2024 isn't playing for them right now. Yeah. Is it on their roster? Mm-hmm. I, I did get asked last night, I thought it was a really interesting question, how many of these teams will have their current coach in 2024? How many of these SEC teams, all, of the 16, how many will have their current coach in 2024? Mm. Because A&M Jimbo is obviously on, on a hot seat. Um, let Venables have another losing season when they had, what, two decades of 10-win-plus seasons? Uh, let that happen. If things go south in Arkansas, I don't think Pittman's getting fired, but, you know, mm. brought out another 6-6 six and six and tell me how those people feel about him. Billy Napier, if he... Uh, so... How how many of these guys are actually going to see 2024 out? I'm on the record. If Oklahoma wins eight games, less than eight games, Brent Venables will never see an SEC media days. I'm just not sure they're canning a favored son that fast. Seven and five after going six and seven. Can't you can't you can't come into the conference like that. Hmm. You just can't. I mean, Oklahoma, right. by the way, their schedule, very tough. Very tough. Oklahoma gets at home. I mean, okay, in terms of selling tickets, not that Oklahoma ever has an issue selling tickets, season ticket package pretty attractive for uh, Gaylord Entertainment Family Stadium or whatever the name it is of it is, Memorial Stadium in Norman. Hmm. Texas? Oh, shoot, that's in Dallas. They can't quit playing that game in Dallas. Yeah. Whatever. Alabama, Tennessee, South Carolina. That's huge. It's a good slate. Two questions. Oklahoma at it. Go ahead. Uh, will that game... It's a little early for that. We have to, we have to wait for games, don't will, we? Will that game be in Dallas forever? And yes. are they willing to sacrifice a home game for that? But uh, question number two... Will A&M and Texas resume their old day and time slot? Thanksgiving night. A&M, but it's been played on some different times also. Also, it's the Egg Bowl. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be back. Can't believe what I'm hearing. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Our text line 601-879-4395. Red River Shootout should always be played in the Cotton Bowl. And probably a lot of people feel that way. It's just it's the centerpiece of the Texas State Fair. I just can't ever see it moving. 
I mean, I think their fans like it. Big, I think big the Texas, Texas and Oklahoma still be fans there. like it there. Yeah, but I, I think they're, the the fan bases enjoy it being in Dallas. Yeah. Wait, so the Egg Bowl's been played on Thanksgiving how many times? It's in the 30s, right? 31, 32? Some of that, yeah. Texas, Texas A&M is double. Yeah. They've mm. played a very nice 69 times on Thanksgiving night. Mm. Very nice. That 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 is their... I, I'm, I'm, now, could you put those two brands on that day, if you really want to preserve your tradition, would they do that to them knowing that the NFL's up against them? Would they be willing to do that? I don't mean this as a slight at you. Like, I really don't. And I know it's a relevant conversation. I'm weary of the what is the NFL doing as it pertains to college football scheduling conversation. Just play the game when it's time to play the game. If you There's going to be a college football game on Thanksgiving that's night. That's not how they think, though. So Yeah, no, I understand that. But if Texas, Texas A&M is on ESPN on Thanksgiving night, it will do a big number. It just, it just will. Probably, hmm. I want to think about this. I mean, they're moving. I I could argue that it will do a bigger number on Thanksgiving night as a standalone, even against the NFL, than it would do in just a random time slot on the Saturday following Thanksgiving. Because, Because the other things that are going on the Saturday following Thanksgiving, right? You got Alabama, Auburn that's happening that day. You've got Ohio State, Michigan that's happening that day. So Alabama, Auburn starting in 2024, that's going to be your 2:30 game on ABC, probably, unless they elevate it to Saturday night. You know, Michigan, Ohio State's going to be played at 11 a.m. You got rivalry games that are happening all over the country. Clemson, South Carolina is that day. Georgia, Georgia Tech's that day, which is traditionally at noon Eastern on ABC. Georgia, Georgia Tech, regardless of where it's played. And that time slot will be available to them. So you know you're playing that coming out of college game day on either ABC or ESPN. USC, UCLA is, is it that day? I know that it doesn't matter. I'm just saying there's a lot of clutter in the landscape on that Saturday. And so even though you're going head to head against the NFL, Texas, Texas A&M, I think, would do a bigger number on Thanksgiving night as the only college football game going than they would just kind of hanging out somewhere on that Saturday. At 2.30 on ESPN or 7 o'clock on the SEC Network, that's not even rated. The the nightcap of rivalry weekend has been underwhelming as of late. but um, I think that's going to change because... With this two thirty ABC time slot that everybody's talked about, what 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 that really means is ESPN ABC has the ability to manipulate the schedule for maximum viewership in all windows as it pertains to the SEC. Yeah. So two thirty is their standalone window, but they've also got the Saturday night primetime slot on ABC, and they've got the Saturday night primetime slot on ESPN. The Iron Bowl is probably about to move tonight. Well, the one of the most famous Iron Bowl endings ever it happened. It, I know, I know the kickoff time, but it happened in the dark. So, what's the difference? Yeah. The visuals are the same. Sure. When the sun sure. sets at four forty-five, you know, there's not much difference there. Um, 
I, LSU A and M is going to get played that weekend, probably. Or 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 well, is it? No, that's LSU Arkansas. Arkansas well, Missouri is is Black Friday. We don't know that. Well, we don't know that either. Yeah, yeah how how are they going yeah, we to don't adjust know. that? We'll see. Um, uh, that's Arkansas Missouri is Black Friday this year, so I don't know about right. next year. Yeah. And has been the last few years. We've seen LSU A yeah. and M on that final weekend of the regular season. Mm-hmm. You know that's not happening. Because that's going to be Texas, Texas A&M. Unless, unless LSU. it's not. I wonder who LSU will play last then. That'll be interesting. But no, what if they don't? that's definitely going to be the last weekend. Why, why no does way. Texas, Texas A&M have to be last? Why? why It'll why be can, on the rival. It'll be on rivalry weekend. It will be. I would think. But it doesn't have to be. I mean, like, maybe you draw a bigger audience that way. Texas, Oklahoma's not. Well, Texas, Oklahoma never has been, though. It's right. always in the middle of the season. Well, you know what they should do? They should slap it on Thanksgiving. That's what they should do. They can't, because that's Texas State Fair. No, I, back to the uh, original game. They should slap Texas. And you a, just want Ole Miss and Mississippi State out of the Thanksgiving window. I do. I but my argument do. for that... He, he does. But, 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 uh, no, here, here's my he, argument. He I'd I point the other way. My argument against that now stronger than ever. Against the NFL, sure. But the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving night is a standalone game that draws all the college football eyeballs. You play the Egg Bowl on Rivalry Saturday, it just gets lost in the shuffle. It's just another game. That's correct. Can you feel it? Can you hear it? Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah! On Super Talk. Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV, and of course on your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations. We got you covered. Back in the Pearl River Resort studio. Time for us to go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Joe Cook joins us. He covers the Texas Longhorns at Inside Texas. That is their on three sports site. In fact, he is the managing editor of Inside Texas. Joe, I have a, a complaint before we, we log in. I thought it was the coach speakiest thing ever. For Steve Sarkeesian and a bunch of Texas players to tweet a picture of the 2023 schedule last night. We just got to enjoy the 2024 drama for a second before we all lock in and get focused on this coming year. What's that all about? I agree with you that it's pretty coach speaky, but you know, that's red meat too. And it's pretty cool to see that. Um, you know, that's something Steve Sarkeesian, he's been on a speaking tour and made a lot of stops over the past month and a half. And, he gets asked about the SEC uh, even before we knew what the schedule was, and he always has uh, talked about the focus being on this year in the Big 12. And, yeah, it was it was peak coach speak, and uh, uh, I, I got a kick out of it as well, um, even though my eyes at 6 p.m. turned to uh, the schedule like everybody else's. Yeah, and I, I did love the, uh, the people that re- replied, like the immediate predictable reply, love where this team's mindset is. You know, it's June, and they're already locked in on 2023. I was like, oh, jeez, can't believe it. Uh, it's perfect. Uh, Joe, did it did, did it feel more real to you 
Did it feel more real to Texas fans 21 hours ago when an actual schedule came out? It's like, all right, we've been talking about this for two years. Yes, it's still a year away, but, okay, this is really happening. Yeah, it definitely did. I mean, let's, let's like I said, let's just think about it. It was on the SEC network, and, and you know, the only other times Texas has kind of showed up on there is um, in some, you know, big high-profile women's sports matchups and maybe the occasional baseball game at Arkansas or, or Texas A&M in the midweek. So, yeah, it, it felt real, um, and it especially feels real now that uh, uh, Texas knows that uh, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, and Mississippi State will be making their way to Austin uh, next season. Or, excuse me, man, I, I, Coach Sark would be upset with me with that yep. one in 2024. All right, so, so let's unpack that schedule just a little bit. Mississippi State, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky. So in terms of the home slate, what, what do you make of that? You know, I've talked with some uh, pretty high-ranking people at UT kind of throughout this process, and and one thing that they've talked about is, you know, Texas does a really good job of scheduling in the non-conference. Um, since 2012, you know, they've hosted Ole Miss. Uh, they have hosted, um, trying to think, uh, LSU. Uh, they've hosted uh, South- Southern Cal. Um, and they've hosted Alabama. Uh, Alabama, obviously. And they said that what happens is whenever those teams come to town, the whole ecosystem, the whole economy, everybody, uh, there's a spike. You know, everybody comes to town for it. I know LSU travels. Um, people want to come in and see uh, Alabama play, of course. So they were the number one team in the country at that point. You know, USC is a name brand, and Ole Miss was an SEC team uh, that came in uh, with a really good Hugh Freeze offense at the time. So they see these, you know, big uh, increases in, in revenue. And then when it – and I hate – you know, be searching these programs because I like to watch fellow Big 12 programs. And I know that in the past 10 years or so, Texas has struggled against Big 12 programs. But when you kind of think about rank and file person who maybe lives two hours away, like, you know, let, let's say San Antonio. San Antonio is about 90 minutes away from Austin. Not okay. far, but still, it's an effort to get there. Are you going to go from San Antonio to Austin maybe at, I don't know, 1030 on a Saturday morning? Uh, to go and, you know, spend your hard-earned money and to see it once a year, uh, to go see West Virginia. It's not a team Texas has a long-standing, uh, uh, rivalry with. I think the first time they played them was in 2012. Um, it's a program that's had its ups. They were a top 10 team under Dana Holgerson, but they've not been good in recent years. Um, and, you know, that's just not a name brand team anymore and it's a, a team that has no regional connection. Uh, to Texas or, or the Longhorns. Now think about it this way. Florida's coming to town. And even though Billy Napier is, you know, had his ups and downs in year one in Gainesville, uh, even though Anthony Richardson's not there anymore, uh, you know, those sorts of factors, you're going to show up for Florida. So I think that's a big reason, uh, obviously behind the move. Um, also just to, you know, secure the future for Texas in a sport that's just changing constantly. Um, I think if we, as we've seen with uh, the Pac-12 uh, and, and even the ACC, you know, you, the, the, one of the most important aspects in this uh, college sports landscape right now, aside from remaining in competitive leagues, 
is just, you know, let's be honest about it, is financial security. And while the Big 12 has had a very aggressive uh, commissioner in Brett Yormark, who I believe has done a really strong job in securing the future for the league as best he can, being aggressive on the, you know, expansion front and trying to market a, uh, a collection of teams from states like Iowa and Kansas uh, and Oklahoma uh, and, and smaller private institutions from the state of Texas, he's done a great job of marketing those teams. But Texas, you know, still, you're in, you're in those, you're, you're lumped in with those markets. Um, you're lumped in with, you know, population centers that aren't as strong as some like Atlanta, New Orleans, and even the South. So Texas wanted to secure its financial future as well as, you know, they saw where the, the sport was moving with what's likely to be a big two, unfortunately. Um, they saw where the sport was moving with the 12-team playoff on the horizon and uh, made the jump. So it definitely has a lot of people excited around here, not just for uh, football, but for, for all the sports, really. All right, I got two rivalry questions for you. Visiting with Joe Cook from Inside Texas, that's the uh, on three site that covers the Texas Longhorns. Um, is there a scenario where OU Texas ever gets moved out of Dallas? There aren't that many rivalry games that get played at neutral sites anymore. We still have Florida, Georgia, and Jacksonville. Obviously, OU Texas and, and Dallas, not a whole lot more. H- how much does that mean? in the rivalry Texas State Fair, or could you see a scenario where it eventually goes to campus? I I can't see a scenario where it gets moved out. Uh, again, talking right. to people who are, are are pretty involved with this, everybody involved loves it there. Um, I, I, I just can't think of anybody who, who dislikes it. Maybe Oklahoma fans don't because, you know, it's the, the premier matchup usually on their schedule, and it's in – not only is it uh, 200 miles away, but it's also technically in Texas. Right. Uh, but I can't think of anybody on the Texas side who doesn't love it there. Um, Texas likes it there. Oklahoma uh, seems to like it there. The city of Dallas, who owns that complex, loves it there. Um, and and that that uh, Dallas has shown propensity in years past to really start to pump some money into it. Now, that's not to say that uh, the Cotton Bowl is a very nice facility. It it assuredly is not. It is, there are no frills there. Uh, but people who yeah, but it that feels game like 90s, old football. It it just feels so good inside that building. It does. And then there's one other uh, factor here is that if you remember in 2018, both Texas and Oklahoma made the Big 12 title game, and that's played at AT and T Stadium over in mm-hmm. Arlington. Um, and so I was in attendance at that game. It just wasn't the same. It, it's really just not the same. Uh, you don't have that 50-50 split. You don't have people baking in the sun, working off hangovers, creating new hangovers. Uh, <laughs> the whole, you know, one side being a home environment for you, the other side being a road environment for you. Uh, the sterilization, the sterile environment of an NFL stadium, especially one that's as nice as AT&T Stadium. Uh, it's just not – There's the, the atmosphere outside is an NFL parking lot, not the State Fair of Texas. Uh, okay. I think that both schools would have to be dragged kicking and screaming for that game to not be played in the Cotton Bowl. And this this isn't something said with any inside information. I think that uh, both those schools would probably rather, if, if forced between the option of what they consider two evils, they'd probably rather it be a home-and-home home than have to move it to AT&T Stadium. And, well, and at least that's my opinion. I'd rather see it that way. 
All right, one more for you, Joe, and then we're out of time. We've got about a minute left. Um, does Texas, Texas A&M, or Texas A&M, Texas, if you prefer, uh, does that have to be the final weekend of the regular season? And if it is, will it be on Thanksgiving night? Uh, I think it has to be. Uh, I don't want to see that in week three or week four. Um, I don't think that it's it's that's just not where the game's supposed to be played. And I know Thanksgiving okay. night holds a special place in in Mississippi, obviously with the Egg Bowl. Uh, Texas and Texas A&M have been pretty flexible in years past. They've played it on Thanksgiving night. Obviously, that last one in 2011 was on Thanksgiving. Uh, but they will they've played it on the day after uh, at 2:30. Uh, right. They played it the day after in the morning. So uh, I don't think it has to be. You know, on Thanksgiving, but I would want to see it on Rivalry Weekend because it is a rivalry, and I'm so glad it's back. Uh, I think the entire college football ecosystem is glad it is back. Maybe with the exception of Texas A&M, though they seem to be coming around on it as well. Joe, great stuff, man. Look forward to continuing to visit with you in the future. We'll uh, we'll catch up soon. Absolutely, thank you, guys. Joe Cook from Inside Texas. That's the on three site that covers the Texas Longhorns. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. We'll be right back. I listen to that work. That work. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo? Yes, sir. tell you about. I just want to put this on your radar. Um, if you are involved with a radio broadcast of any kind, high school, junior college, college football, sports talk radio show, there is an event that is coming up that you might want to put on your calendar. David Kellum has kind of organized this. He told me about it yesterday. Um, the Mississippi Sportscasters Kickoff Gathering. It's going to happen at French Camp Academy. WFCA is going to be hosting the event, and it's going to be on Thursday, July 27th at noon. And it's just going to be, it's not a seminar, it's it's a get-together to just talk about broadcasting. Um... David Kellum and Harry Harrison and Mark Dukes and Brad Henderson from the Ole Miss Network are going to be there. Jim Ellis is going to be there. So is Richard Williams and Jason Crowder. Uh, Neil Price is hoping to be there. Had a couple of things that are going on. Uh, John Cox has been invited. Uh, Rob Jay has been invited and has uh, agreed to come as well. Uh, Brett Norsworthy will be there. I'm going to be there that day at lunch for a little while. We've got an event in Jackson that night for, for Sports Talk Mississippi. So, it's going to be a bunch of people that are involved in broadcasting. The college level, the high school level, at the junior college level, and it's open to everybody to just come and be a part of and check it out and talk ball and talk broadcasting. The The response has been really good, and if you want some more information or would like to plan to come in your high school or junior college or college broadcaster, you can email David Kellum. His, his email address, here's how you know that David's old. He's got a Hotmail email address. Rebvoice, 
Reb Voice, R-E-B Voice, at Hotmail.com. You got questions about it, need to find out some more information, just want to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to be there, you can shoot him an email. We'll, we'll talk with David more about it when uh, it gets a little bit closer to time. But it's going to be uh, it's going to be a neat deal. Uh, to our knowledge, nothing like that has ever happened before in the state of Mississippi, uh, where it's just like a big y'all come. One of the really cool things, I know you guys have done this before, at least I, I would guess that you guys have done it before, been traveling on a Friday night. Maybe it's to a ball game. Maybe you're just on the road, and you just hit scan on your radio, and like every two seconds it stops, and there's another high school football game on the radio. It's just over and over and over and over. I mean, we talk high school football every Friday here uh, on this show, and Will East will, I mean, what, we've got between live games on Super Talk Mississippi stations and streaming games, what, 40, 30 or 40 that are are streaming kind of under our umbrella each Friday night. So it's going to be a cool event. And um, something that I just wanted to put out there you might want to put on your radar. Be fun. Um, I like Joe's answers and kind of goes along with what we were talking about a little while ago. Texas State Fair, Red River Rivalry, all, um, yeah, he, he mentioned, all, all the same. he mentioned West Virginia as like the, the team you don't get excited about, but man, there's got to be something special about going to Morgantown. And I know you have to lose to see this. So you got to lose the game, but walking out of the stadium, and seeing people lighting their own furniture on fire outside of their houses because they won a football game has got to be something special. You, there is a post. There is a post on the six-pack message board in the, the Hall of Fame six-pack remembers section about a guy's trip to West Virginia when State played them two decades ago. You need to read it. I need to read it. I will send you the link. Please do. You need to read it. It is incredible. Country roads take me home, indeed. And uh, something like that. Apparently, like when you're walking by, I say student housing, not like dorms, but like houses off campus that students clearly live in. Like, there's no furniture; they just have like tailgate chairs because they've burned their couches at some point or another. Was it West Virginia that on the snow day a couple of kids got arrested because they took a, a literal dumpster to the top of a hill, lit that dumpster on fire, and pushed it down the the snowy hill that went like like half a mile down? It just hey, kept. Can, going. Can, can we stop? Can we not talk about burning dumpsters? Well, there, there's some PTSD there for me. If we could just stay away from that altogether, I, I thank you. I, I thank you, and I thank you. Oh, goodness. They literally pushed a dumpster down the hill that was on fire. I think so. I think that was West Virginia that did that. Yeah. But, Somebody go to jail for that? Oh, I'm sure. But that's what they, their postgame celebrations. Like, they embrace it. They, the couch, A buddy of mine growing up uh, was from West Virginia. He was a West Virginia fan. I think he went to school there for a little while before he got arrested for selling pot. But. Um, they had shirts with their schedule on them that he that he would wear that would say the couch burning tour and it was the football schedule on t-shirts that they would sell to their fans he fit right in let me tell you sure uh joe also said rivalry weekend for texas texas a&m and doesn't seem to really care whether it's thanksgiving night or friday or 
What, what do you think it would be more likely to be slated as? Would, would you put that as the Thanksgiving night standalone game and push the Egg Bowl to a different slot, or would you push Missouri-Arkansas to a different slot and put it on Friday afternoon? Well, do we know that Missouri is going to be Arkansas's No, permit? we don't. We don't. So that, that might go another way. Could you see the Egg Bowl moving to Friday? Oh, because somebody on the text line made a good point. The Cowboys, as the lead-in to Texas, Texas A&M, is fantastic. Yeah. Hmm. So, would the Egg Bowl be a could be a Friday afternoon (laughs) game? Ceasefire text line, I have an uncle that is a Mennonite, and he told me that they used to light a bale of hay on fire and roll it through town as a prank. <laughs> Those wacky Mennonites, man. <laughs> you never know. Didn't we read a dumb criminal news a while ago about a, a couple of Amish guys that uh, ran from police because they were drunk driving their um, horse and buggy? And... Yes, they hopped out of the buggy I, 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 and took off to... into the field, and the officers just followed the horses home. <laughs> That's how they caught the guys. <laughs> the horses knew where to go. <laughs> Josh, the horses Laurel were says, snitches. They were. Josh and Laurel says Thursday Egg Bowl, Friday Texas Texas A and M, Saturday Iron Bowl. Please don't move the Egg Bowl to Friday. I mean, I'm down. I'm down with what you just said. I will be I... down with it. I, but. I just wonder if they want to try to maybe get a higher rated game on Thanksgiving. I don't know. Yeah. I know Borky hates it. Like, he's well documented, very much on the record. I really like the Egg Bowl on Thursday night, on Thanksgiving night. I just, I, I really do. Both, buddy. Um, I love, and, 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 I, and I'm, I'm totally jealous, or I'm totally selfish, I'm totally in, my, in it for myself. But I like having that Saturday of college football to just sit there and watch games and not have to be at the stadium. Mm-hmm. That's what I like. That's what I, I prefer. Get that. Because that's a great day of college football. It's the best day of college football. You know, you you want to be a part of that weekend, but you know, not being on. You know, that you're day. flipping that first window when you're flipping between Michigan, Ohio State, Clemson, South Carolina, Florida, Florida State, maybe give Georgia, Georgia Tech a peek. That's that's a great few minutes. Then you go to the Iron Bowl, and then you've got great stuff that night. Yeah, it's the best. Yeah. That's also my Thanksgiving, too, so I'm eating turkey while that's going on. Yeah. The Friday afternoon thing is that, that Friday after Thanksgiving is a low-key good football day. You don't have the volume of games that you have on Saturday, obviously. Most people, a lot of people are off on that Friday after Thanksgiving. I, I guess most. A and lot of people. So, How would that work for us? What do you think? I guess because the, game, the game's on, so we wouldn't have a show, right? I mean, depending on when the game would start. If it was a night game, then no. Or what if it was if a 2.30 was a- game? Then no, well, we wouldn't do a show. But if yeah. it was eleven, we would. Yeah, and add to that day now, the NFL's putting a game on Black Friday, so you have a, a nice little slate of college games. Plus, if you're into it, an NFL game. Yeah. That's, a, that's a nice little Friday of football. 
got a pretty nice little Friday. Yeah. We're gonna go to uh, go to go to Home Depot. Maybe get some wallpaper. Yeah, we we might go to Bed Bath and Beyond. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if we'll have time. Yeah, we get another message that says, "Please move the Egg Bowl to Friday. I prefer Thanksgiving Day over the Egg Bowl." That's from David in Oxford. I mean, there are very few middle-of-the-road opinions on the day in which the Egg Bowl should be played. You're right. There aren't many people that are just like, nah, it doesn't really matter to me. It's either I love it on Thanksgiving or any time but Thanksgiving. And not much middle ground. Okay, what we do next? Keep it moving, buddy. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. Triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us on this Thursday afternoon. You want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the Ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. Lots going on during the summer months, including the Sunset Series. Sunday nights in June in the Grove, live music as the uh, sun sets, really cool family event. If you are in the area, you should check it out. You can find the full schedule of events of things happening in and around Oxford on the Visit Oxford website, visitoxfordms.com. And, uh, of course, you can also follow them on all of their social media platforms. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Visit Oxford MS. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. Um. You know what time it is? Oh, I do. I, I do. I'm aware. I do. I'm aware. I, I actually was thinking about pushing it back just to make <laughs> me that uncomfortable. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> I, I was honestly thinking. You know what? I'm just going to. I'm going to come back on twenty you know, just because. I'm going to come back on Monday, and it's, all right, we got seven teams to do today. Let's do it. Hundred teams in a hundred days. This day is bananas. E A N A N A S. This day is bananas. One hundred teams in one hundred days. Okay, ready? Three, two, one, go! It's the final countdown. We started with team number one hundred. We will go all the way to number one. Hence, one hundred teams in one hundred ish days. 100 days is the window from the time we start until the time we finish. What is that? Southern Miss team number 80 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. Going into year three of the Will Hall era. Three, that's not right, seven. Seven Southern Miss players were recognized by 
Phil Steele's preseason magazine as all Sunbelt contributors. Jay Stanley, the safety who played in 13 games last year and had seven interceptions and a career-high 64 total tackles. Frank Gore Jr., record-breaking performance in Southern Miss's Lending Tree Bowl win over Rice. It was a 38-24 win when he went for 329 on 21 carries. Wow. Offensive lineman Jaquan Scott, named to the All-Sunbelt team preseason from Phil Steele. Jalen Williams on the defensive line. Quentin Bivens on the defensive line. Avery Habas, the linebacker. Honorable mention, All-Sunbelt, after starting 13 games last year at the Jack. And uh, Cole Cavallo, the tight end as well. 20 catches for 174 yards in 12 starts. So those were the seven teams, or the seven players, named to the uh, Phil Steele preseason all Sunbelt team. Alcorn State to open the season for USM. That one's in Hattiesburg. What a good scene that's going to be to start the season. And then week two. Absolutely. You remember what Southern Miss did last year in week two? You remember? Didn't they go to Coral Gables last year in week two? Yeah, they, they played really great for a half, and then it just got away from them. They go back to the state of Florida this year in week two, but not to uh, Miami Gardens. They will be in Tallahassee taking on Florida State. Nighttime kickoff at the Doak. That will be the home opener for Florida State because they play LSU the preceding Sunday night in Orlando. What a scene that's going to be. Southern Miss at Florida State week two. Poorly timed visit to, uh, to to Tallahassee. I mean, even even last year, but two three years ago, that you, you would have felt mm-hmm. differently. But uh, I mean, I don't think they're going to make the playoff. But if an outsider, if you want to call Florida State an outsider, somebody that hasn't been yet makes it for the first time this year, might be them. Could very well be. Uh, you perhaps may remember that uh, last year was a historic season for the Tulane Green Wave. You may also remember that uh, Tulane lost to Southern Miss in New Orleans at Yulman Stadium week three last year. I'm sorry, week four last year. And uh, this year it is a return to Hattiesburg, a bit of a revenge game for Tulane. 3 o'clock kickoff on Saturday afternoon, September 16th, Tulane at Southern Miss. Can we, make the, can we make the plea? Forgive me for doing this. All right, th- th- this oh, is no. the one. Th- th- this is the one, Southern Miss fans. Week 3, Tulane. No, it's a non-conference game. I understand. My I understand. That's the one to fill it up. It's going to be a big home game. Feel good about your chances in week one against Alcorn State? Being honest, don't feel great about your chances at Florida State. Think they'll play hard? That's a really talented Florida State team. On the road, at night, first home game for FSU, all that. Saturday, September 16th is and should be a great atmosphere in Hattiesburg at the Rock for that ball game. Do you guys disagree? Not at all. Okay. No, it should be fantastic. Did you think I was going a different direction? No, I knew exactly where you were going, but sometimes people don't want to hear that. Well, you know. I don't and not that I disagree with you. 
You're, you're right. It should be absolutely packed. At Arkansas State Week 4, back-to-back home games against Texas State and Old Dominion, back-to-back road games with South Alabama and Appalachian State, then it's ULM, then two more road games at Louisiana, at Mississippi State on Saturday, November 18th, and then a uh, regular season closeout at home against Troy on Saturday, November 25th. So that is the schedule this year for Southern Miss. Last year, 7-6. and six, Finished it out with the, um, the bowl game win against Rice down in Mobile. Good win. Anyway, tell me I had a good feeling going into the offseason. So, guys, tell me what you expect from Southern Miss with this schedule, year two of the Sun Belt, seven and six last year, Frank Gore Jr. returning to lead the offense, system is in place for Will Hall. Tall Gall would like to keep a solid, healthy quarterback through the entire season. I know, right? And what's it going to look like without Austin Armstrong? I and mean, having those two road Power Five games is, is difficult. That, that that's tough to navigate, but uh, you mentioned the personnel defensively. They, they should really have it. Are, are they going to or are they not going to miss a beat uh, changing coordinators? Now, O'Brien's a guy that, if you look at his pedigree, yeah, if you ask me what his system is, I couldn't tell you. I, I, I don't know. But, you look at the resume, coached under Kirby Smart, coached under Nick Saban, coached under Ken Niamatololo. For, for years was at Navy under Kenny Amatololo. That's a pretty good group of guys that you learn from. And, of course, he, he's been at Southern Miss uh, for, for a few years. But what's that transition going to be like? That's your difference between taking a step forward or possibly taking a step backward. Will this transition go smoothly? If it does, you have the personnel to be really, really good again defensively. I'm fascinated by how the quarterback competition shakes out. So the quarterback room looks like this. Billy Wiles, redshirt sophomore, transferred in from Clemson. Holman Edwards, transferred in from Houston, originally from French camp. Zach Wilkie, we saw him on the field last year as a true freshman, now a true sophomore out of Hernando. Ethan Crawford, Freshman coming in from Tuscaloosa, Hillcrest High School. Kyle McCormick, second-year freshman out of California. What is that quarterback battle going to look like when we get to uh, when we get to September third, season opener against Alcorn State? What's your, what's your prediction? How does it shake out? I thought that Wilkie had showed some flashes from time to time. I, I thought that he, you know, he's a true freshman thrown into a tough situation. Um, that being said, I just feel like the Clemson transfer uh, is going to end up on top here, but I think it'll be a really tough battle. I, I don't think, I mean, they got enough guys, and they, they have to, they have to give everybody a fair shot because they've got to be better at court. This is a team I think that can compete for the Sun Belt Championship if they get good quarterback play. So they've got to find they got to find their guy. They got to give everybody a shot to see who that guy is. So you think they can compete for the league crown? 
I do. If they get good quarterback play. Zach Wilkie? Mm. We'll see. We'll see. Southern Miss, team number 80 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. Sports Talk Mississippi. Do you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial! Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi. As we wrap up the 4 o'clock hour, we'll give you a uh, U.S. Open leaderboard update. Eight under par tied for the all-time low score. Well, the, the, the two that happened now hold the all-time low score in the U.S. Open. Ricky Fowler and Xander Shoffley both go out and shoot eight under par 62s. Together they are five shots clear of the field. Bryson DeChambeau, Scotty Scheffler, Siwoo Kim, and Paul Barjon. All at three under par. At two under par, you get a big group, including Max Homa, Bill Mickelson, who is two under through his first six holes. Uh, Rory McIlroy, also two under through his first three holes. So off to a, uh, a good start there. The uh, the amateur from Vanderbilt, Gordon Sargent, goes out and shoots a one under 69. Same for uh, John Rahm, the uh, PGA champion John Rahm from just a couple of weeks ago. At uh, one under par as wait, that's not right. The Masters champion John Rahm. Um, hey, Dad, I, I told Borky earlier I always get a kick out of this worst score of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron yeah. Wise mm-hmm. shot a shot a seventy nine nine over par. Also, Alexander Yang, an amateur, so nine over. Yep, nine over. Right. Not so bad. I mean, when, when nine over is the worst man <laughs> of the entire day, it's it's not that bad. Especially at the U.S. Open. I mean, that's a place where sometimes it can get away from you. That's your best golf analysis ever. Actually, uh, was pretty spot on, too. Yeah, no. I, it's I, a I, true story. 100%. Yeah. 100 I have I watched enough best. U.S. Open golf. Yeah, that that's one where yeah. you look up on a day and you can be 15 under over, and you're just like, what happened? Uh, C Spire text line, Richard. Have you heard anything about A&M and Arkansas leaving the SEC? I've heard you yes, shouldn't do tell, believe Richard. what you read on Facebook. I've heard you shouldn't take drugs. Yes, I have. they're prescribed by a professional. I have. Texas A&M and Arkansas, uh, they announced it earlier today, both leaving the SEC. Um, both decided that they didn't like money. They didn't like playing in the best conference in the country. Uh, that they were interested in staking their athletics future on... Um, they're actually both going to the Pac-12 conference. And the Pac-12 feels it's like that's going to be the, the, the linchpin that kind of gets their TV deal. No, I'm sorry. I actually... Forgive me for being a smart aleck, for all of us being a smart aleck. Uh, no, I have not heard anything about Texas A&M and Arkansas leaving the SEC. 
Where have you heard about that? I'm 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 fascinated to know. That's the better question, yeah. Yeah. Tell me more about what you have heard about Texas A&M and Arkansas saying adios to the Southeastern Conference. Although Ross Bjork probably is uh, still just like curled up in his office because Texas is on his schedule again. So, you ever seen a video of of a? Great is, that the, day? is that what the little horn on his tricycle does? <laughs> you ever seen those videos of Great Danes that are terrified of puppies? Yes. Now, now Texas is They're not hilarious. a puppy. Don't get me wrong, but Texas A and M is that scared Great Dane. They have all of the money, all the money, all of the resources. Although their architecture looks like a Russian block, they have all the facilities. And yet they are terrified of Texas, who hasn't won their own league since 2009. And they're terrified. What are you scared of? You've got money, you've got resources, you're in the same state. You've got Alabama on your schedule annually, but by God, if we have to play Texas, well, we're just, oh no, like you're in a horror film. The, the biggest, or excuse me, the most outstanding little brother complex that I have seen in college athletics belongs in College Station, Texas. Could you imagine the athletic director at Ohio State being scared of playing Michigan, not wanting to play Michigan? You remember how mad the people in the state of South Carolina well, got they, during they, the COVID fairness, year when Clemson and they, South Carolina didn't play against each other? They, they've changed their tune a little bit. They're now looking forward to it, as long as it's at their place to uh, to start. Um, may, I, may I reference Texas A&M's 2024 schedule? And um, at home... They get LSU. They play Arkansas in Arlington. They play Missouri at home. And they play Big Brother at home. On the road, they travel to Auburn. They travel to Starkville. They travel to Gainesville. And they travel to South Carolina. The only thing that any of us should hear out of Texas A&M is a quick Brief thank you and a big dose of shut your mouth because you were just gifted eight games in the SEC. And if you go eight and four with that schedule, it's a you problem. Communication system is a go. Go. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. you on this Thursday afternoon, middle of June, closing in on the official on the calendar start of summer. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, and Michael Borky with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios, Pearl River Resort, the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, two 18-hole championship courses, the Oaks 
and the azaleas that you can play. And you can do so with relative ease. To book your tea time, you simply go to Dancing Excuse me. DancingRabbitGolf.com. DancingRabbitGolf.com. Book your tea time. Or you can uh, you can call them. And if you've got a, a guy's trip or a girl's trip or a couple's trip coming up, uh, maybe talk to them about the um, the newly renovated uh, suites that are available above the pro shop. There are eight newly appointed, redecorated, fantastic rooms. All of them open up onto to the uh, the wraparound balcony porch that uh, wraps around the clubhouse, looks out onto the golf course. There's a common area where you can kind of hang out in the evenings if you are so inclined. You get a golf cart to be able to move about the property. If you're going to dinner at Philip M's or you need to go over to uh, uh, to one of the casinos, you can do that. Really cool setup and far more affordable than you uh, you might think. You can uh, give them a call at Dancing Rabbit to set up your weekend golf trip uh, with uh, with buddies or friends or spouses or complete strangers, I guess, if you could figure out how to get all the complete strangers lined up to do it as well. Uh, anyway, DancingRabbitGolf.com. Ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business. You can learn more online at Ceasefire.com slash business. Here we go, college football fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. It's where you can start your search. You can start the learning process. You can see what vehicles are available in your area. You can build and price one yourself there. But that's only where you're starting your search. You're going to then take that search to your local Mississippi Ford dealer, test drive, an F-150, or any other vehicle of your choosing and uh, and just make a deal with them and drive it home that day. That's at your local Mississippi Ford dealers. So, uh, some transfer portal news out of Starkville. Rufus Harvey has hit the portal. And that one, I think, is a little surprising. Hey, Dad, tell us more. Sure. First off, it is not very surprising to those of us close to the uh, Mississippi State situation. Okay, uh, why? Rufus Hart, because Rufus Harvey was not going to play football for Mississippi State again. Because Miss Rufus Harvey, uh, without going too deep into details, because I don't have them and Mississippi State wouldn't release them, but has a medical condition that is not going to clear, the Mississippi State is not going to clear him to play football again. It's a very uh, delicate situation, uh, but Rufus Harvey, being a 20-year-old and, and you know still wants to give this a go, is going to attempt to find a medical staff that will clear him to play football. But that was not going to be here at Mississippi State, and so he is uh, rather than try to then give up the game of football at the age of 20, has decided to give it a go and try to find somewhere else to play. Uh, you know, we'll see how that works out for him, but I think that's going to be a, a tough task, from what I've been told. Played in 13 games last year for Mississippi State. He was the leading receiver with 53 catches for 505 yards and three touchdowns. Averaged just shy of 40 yards per game. Uh, was second in terms of yards per game receiving. Ra Ra Thomas led the way. So that is 
three of the top four receivers not returning for Mississippi State from a year ago. Is that correct? Ra Ra Rufus Harvey, without looking, is ducking the other one. Yeah, or Austin Williams, ducking, ducking, D- ducking at yeah, forty six catches and eight touchdowns from a year ago. There you go. Hmm. Did that deal ever get figured out? He is still technically in the transfer portal, and I don't know why anybody won't just tell him. I'll tell him if you're listening, Caleb. You have no eligibility left. It's time to either find a pro team that's willing to sign you or go get a job. You got no eligibility left to play college football. So, what does it look like this year? Austin Williams gone. Obviously, he was forty years old and uh, was getting ready to launch his presidential campaign, and and so he will not be back uh, for a seventeenth year at SEC Media Days. He will not get to be part of <laughs> sad. SEC Media Days in Nashville well, this year. We are going to miss. We're going to miss Senator Austin Williams. Yeah, you know, this time around. Well, we've already got an age issue with the White House lately. Are we sure we want him running for president? I mean, that that might just. <laughs> I don't think he'd trip. He's athletic. He's spry. Yeah. Um, so talk to me about the receiving core for Mississippi State this yeah. year. Yeah. You know, and we talked about this. It'll be on tomorrow's uh, Thunder and Lightning podcast where, you know, you feel like two of the spots are, are, are taken. Like the slots position is going to be Tulu Griffin. Move from the outside to the inside. That's where he's belonged his entire time in Starkville. Finally okay. going to get that. Richard Cross, I know, screamed to the heavens for that to happen. I mean, I kind of saying. You, can, you tell Kevin Barbe thank you if you ever meet him. Um, Maybe he should tell me thank one, you. Yeah, you know what? You led the campaign. Um, then you have one of the outside spots. I feel Justin Robinson, the Georgia transfer, who got some playing time a year ago? I think he's he's nailed that down. That was that that position is where Ra Ra Thomas would be if he was still here. But I think Robinson will be there. I think he's perfectly good. I think he'll be a good receiver for state. The third outside spot, the second outside spot, is the one where there's going to be a position battle. I think this 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 fall. Uh, I'm sorry, this preseason, and that is between. Uh, a couple, a couple, uh, three different guys in terms of they're different in what they've done at Mississippi State. You have Jaden Wally, who is very accomplished. You know, had a tremendous freshman season. Has seen his productions kind of go down these last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So maybe he has one more big year left in the tank. You have Jordan Mosley, who transferred in last year from Northwestern, was injured during the season, had a really good spring for Mississippi State, and showed you a lot. I think he's going to be very successful there eventually. And then you have the transfer coming in who, who was not part of spring practice, Freddie Roberson uh, from Eastern Washington. He'll come in and be a part of preseason drills. ton of production at the FCS level, and, and we'll see if we'll tra- that can translate to Mississippi State. Do you think it's safe to say that the number two and number three receivers for Mississippi State this year will not be running backs in terms of number of catches? <laughs> I feel pretty confident in that, yes. Although, I will say, Jaquavius Marks only needs nine catches to become Mississippi State's all-time leading receiver. He will certainly get that mark. He does need he needs 82 catches to become the SEC's all-time leading receiver. I don't think he'll get to that. Woody Marks and Dylan Johnson combined for 96 catches last year. And that's and, down from the previous year. I, and, and I think no the previous touchdowns. year they combined for like 120. Yeah. 
Not a one. 40, not a one they, in the they era. They both had 48 receptions last year for a combined 560, 73 yards. Yeah. And they combined to average 5.95 yards per catch. It's remarkable to have two guys with 96 catches with zero combined touchdowns. But you'd think and only that many six catches, catch. somebody would break one somewhere along the way. Or you'd throw a short one, and it would just, just get into the end zone, but yeah. it didn't. So, yeah. So yeah. Marks, Marks will catch passes this year, but he won't catch as many as the receivers and, get to say it, the tight ends. Yeah. What's that going to look like? Well, you've got those two transfers coming in. Rylan Godey from Georgia. Jaquarius mm-hmm. Spivey comes back to Mississippi State from TCU. Um, you know, the two guys that have played and had gotten some reps, Spivey more so than Godey. Of course, Godey's been sitting behind two All-Americans at Georgia and, and Bowers and Darnell Washington. So I, I think, you know, we talked about that today, and, and you know, Spivey probably has the early edge because he's just played more, but I think Godey's going to be a big part of the offense as well. Dwayne and Brandon has a question for you. He says, who's going to be the long ball guy for, for Will Rogers? It sounds like they want to try and push the ball down the field a little bit more. His name is Tulu Griffin. He and Xavion Thomas are probably your best two deep threats. Yeah. Do you believe, indeed, that they will try to stretch the field more than they have in the yes. last couple of years? Yeah. If, if you if you watch the spring game, they took some shots down the field, and Rodgers looked good doing it. He was able to throw the ball 50 yards down the field accurately. Looked good. They also ran the ball in the spring game a lot. They did. It was, it was the darndest thing. Now, um... Mississippi State's head coach told us that the, the offense doesn't really, not really any different. Everybody keeps talking about all the. Well, you know, he told me that in a much harsher way than you just described it. Yes. Uh, but it, it, yes, yes. Uh, a lot of concepts will remain from the air right, for sure. And yet the offense is going to look a lot different. Just got it going out on a limb there. That's your college football fix driven by Ford. Back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi. Record going to fall with the um, College World Series this year? Is it going to be a short-lived Jello Shot Championship for uh, the Rebel fans of Ole Miss? What a scam they have going! It's a grift. It's a scam. I think Ole Miss fans just decided they got they got caught up in the moment of all that. I think everybody that's there this year is going to be like, eh. They're buying these. These pre-made, pre-made. No, no. This year they're not pre-made. Oh, they are. They're, they they're not the pre-packaged oh. ones. Yesterday, they they claim that they have a very good tasting on-site made Jello shot this year. Sure, 
Yeah. By the way, they've already well, started. Now, I, how can you start selling them before the tournament actually begins? It feels like the contest is rigged already. Fan, fans start showing up. Okay. Yeah. That's true. LSU with the early lead with 123. A uh, price has gone up, too. They were 450 last year, $5 this year. And by the well, way, I mean, I would raise the price, too, after I sold 18000 to one fan base or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, $5, $1 going to the food bank. That each school has declared that is in the uh, competition, and fifty cents going to the local food bank. So, if you assume that they've got what, like fifty cents in them, in terms of what what it costs them, it's a three dollar profit per Jello shot. That's uh, that's good business. So, yeah, the the donations to the food pantry are great. So, what do they pocket? What, what did the play per shot? They pocket what four dollars? Well, I mean that's what I that's what that's I was just saying. Right, so, right. So no, five dollar total. I've got, I've got a calculator here. So, so let's say, let's say they pocket three dollars a shot. Okay, three. So if they got a dollar fifty going to, we could even be conservative and say two dollars and fifty cents per shot. With that fifty five thousand dollars, you could have bought a linebacker. And giving the rest of the money to the Oxford Food Pantry anyway. Instead, I mean, you won the competition, but at what cost? Well, Walker Jones could have secured a deal with all the money that you bought prepackaged Jello shots. Yeah, for. that's but I all mean, I'm saying. Uh, okay, so on some of the people who kind of went crazy and was like, "Hey, here's a thousand bucks worth of shots." Okay, yeah, but I mean, the people that bought four of them, I mean, were they really gonna? Spend that uh, $18 with the Grove Collective instead. They were just having fun. I think Hey Dad's on to something. Kind of got caught up in the moment. And then it was yeah. like, let's just run it up. Yeah. I mean, there's no telling how many shots were bought after the final out in celebration to get to that final number of 18,777. I mean, if anybody's going to break the record, it's going to be LSU, right? No, no debating. The, the current yes, that's, Rocco's that's Jello one. Shot Challenge has Florida with 40, TCU with 47, Wake Forest with 4, Virginia with 6, Oral Roberts 25, LSU 123, Stanford with 3, and uh, Tennessee with 28, for whatever that's worth. I saw somebody say that this is, uh, this is stupid and that uh, this is the worst thing going at the College World Series. That feels like somebody that do, like doesn't like fun. Yeah, I mean, what, what? What do you care? Like, people want to take Jello shots, do it. Yeah. Uh, Ole Miss made I mean, a if mockery. It, if it was of beers, the, would it be more more favor? Yeah, I don't know. Which says that Ole Miss made a mockery of the Jello shot challenge last year. I by, mean, they by won it winning? by by, by ten thousand. Well, I think. I think 10, what, what he's saying is that you had a lot of people. You had people who weren't in Omaha just calling up and ordering shots. And just not really caring who. I, I, I would be willing to bet of that eighteen thousand, half of them didn't get drank. They just are shot, or however you want to suck down, however you want to put it. They just went in the trash can, but they just, they wanted they wanted know. the record. I don't know. They just wanted the record. I, I did not. Wait, buy are you, are you really shot? putting down a pre-made Jello shot? Or would you? Would you? No, I, I didn't put down any Jello shots, but I did go by Rocco's just to kind of take in the scene, and it was like, okay. Yeah. This is quite the crowd in here. Man, I was at a tailgate once, 
Speaking of jello shots, they weren't jello shots, but it was like uh it was like nine thirty in the morning. <laughs> that, it, sorry, there's a text that I just read. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I apologize. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know. We have <laughs> reference to hey, it's a reference to Tennessee's consumption of beverages. If if you're looking for something funny, yeah. that press conference where their lawyer, the Tennessee fraternity's lawyer, is defending them. Is one of the funniest let's things you not. can watch. Let, let, let's just I'm not, not going to play it on the show. I'm not going to tell you. So what you were at said. a tailgate. I've been doing this for nine years. You think I'm going to like? No, no. I was like, let's not even go down that road. Period. Never mind. Uh, a, a. He knows better than with you. And B. He was worried about me. Oh yes, yes, yes. That is that is true. Because uh, I saw so. you kind of. You were at like, a tailgate, Borky. It's an 11 a.m. game, and it's like it's like nine o'clock in the morning. And and no, like there's no energy because it's so early in the morning and like the the morning fog is like lifting up away in, in a late before a late fall football game, and this old lady hobbles up to my friend. I mean she she hop. I mean she's walking slowly and she's got a Tupperware full of gummy bears and she is this sweet, frail, innocent old lady and she walks right up to him. His name is Wesley. He's got a child now. And she says, do you want some gummy bears? He goes, sure. And just grabs, reaches out, grabs a handful and just stuffs them all in his mouth. And she starts cackling. She had soaked them in Everclear for 48 hours before she brought them to the table. <laughs> and he, oh, I mean, Everclear, ah. And he's, I mean, he is like choking. He was like about to die in his chair because, I mean, just a handful, just a huge swath of gummy bears, boom, right into his mouth. And she starts dying laughing and just slowly like hobbles away, just cackling at the fact that she got him. I mean, I don't remember who it was. I would guess she was in her 80s, at least, and she struggled walking. God bless her. It was the time of her life. She she, uh, she still knew how to party. Yeah, she did. Mm. By the way, the uh, Jello shots have increased by 50 cents in each of the uh, last few years. Caleb sends us a picture from the 2021 College World Series where there was a paper sign hanging above the... Uh, the, the tote board that said Jello Shot Series Record 842, set by 2019 Arkansas Razorbacks. Mississippi State blew that record out of the water when they bought 2,965 Jello Shots. And, oh, by the way, with Ole Miss not there in 2021, they had 10. So I guess you had some Ole Miss fans that were there with their Mississippi State buddies. They're like, hey, we'll, we'll get in on it, even though we're not here. Um and then Caleb says, he says, State thought they blew out the record after 2021, but Ole Miss broke it the first year that Rocco's made their own Twitter for it. Indeed, they did. Indeed, they did. Um, somebody says that would be off the chain for the fan base of a private evangelical university to win Jello Shots competition. LOL. That is um, Oral Roberts, I believe, that uh, we were referring to. Isn't there a picture of the time TCU played at Ole Miss and the center fielder decided to let everybody know what number they were in, in right field? And when they came back out after uh, he let them know what number they were, they just chanted Christian, 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 Christian at him. I, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly certain I remember it. that. I will. Uh, I'll he he kind of forgot what the for C meant on his jersey when he decided to 
make that I mean, obscene. I, excuse me, tell them that they were number I, one. I I don't know. I think it was the fourth day where God created the birds in the sky. I mean, what do you want? <laughs> I could have my days wrong. I don't. I don't know if it's the fourth or the fifth. Oh man, <sighs> the days of heckling. All right, I got a question for you guys. Yeah. So Mike Leach, rest his soul, was um, very clear about how he felt about the administration at Texas Tech University, his former employer. He was also clear about how he felt about Texas Tech fans and like the Texas Tech community. He he had a great deal of respect for Texas Tech fans. He was thankful for his time there, but to say there was no love lost between Mike Leach and the administration, which he sued uh, for wrongful termination and breach of contract, and to my best recollection, even at the time of his death, that lawsuit was still active though not going anywhere, Texas Tech is now inducting Mike Leach posthumously into their Hall of Fame, Ring of Honor. Does does this ring hollow, shallow? Is this appropriate? Wonder what the Leach family thinks about it, etc. We'll, we'll discuss when we come back. Love to hear your thoughts as well on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. We'll be right back. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Here. Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah. Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Thursday afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Thanks for being with us alongside Brian Haydad and Michael Borky. I'm Richard Cross. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. You can find Genteel apparel at men's clothing stores throughout the state, including Harry Meyer Clothing in Meridian, Landry's on the Square in Oxford, SF Alban in Gulfport, Smith & Company in Greenwood, Steve's on the square in Philadelphia, and the Country Gentleman in Greenville, just to name a few. You can also get Genteel clothing at their website, genteelapparel.com. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Uh, Free shipping on your order. If you uh, enter your email address when you place your order, they've got a Father's Day gift guide on the website. Check out the golf shirts and, of course, the Collegiate Collection with uh, logoed uh, golf shirts and pullovers from Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, Alabama, Auburn, the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana, Memphis, Missouri, and uh, coming soon, got some Southern Miss apparel that will be on there as well. That's at genteelapparel.com. Um, so the question on the table before the break, and some of you have responded on the ceasefire text line, you may have seen the uh, the story that came out. Texas Tech, the former employer of Mike Leach, Mike Leach, the winningest coach in Texas Tech football history, has decided that they are going to honor Mike Leach 
with his induction into the Hall of Honor at Texas Tech. Uh, his tenure did not end there on the um, on the best terms. He claimed that the uh, school owed him approximately two and a half million dollars for his work from 2009, despite being fired for cause. And uh, there was attempted litigation, but because of sovereign immunity in the state of Texas, you cannot sue the state of Texas or uh, an entity of the state of Texas unless the state of Texas says that you can, which doesn't really happen. So uh, acrimony remained all the way through the time of his passing. So... This almost is like one of Borky's fair or foul questions. Fair or foul. Texas Tech posthumously inducting Mike Leach into their Hall of Honor. What do you think? I think that I hope that they, before doing anything, reached out to the Leach family and asked... If we do this, will you participate in it? Will you accept this, this 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 recognition? Because it's going to look really stupid if they they do that and nobody from his family is there to accept the honor because they still harbor ill will. Um, you would like to think that Texas Tech maybe could all issue a real olive branch and be like, why don't we come to a settlement on this? My guess is Mike Leach would have never settled. He, he would have, he, he, if he had lived another 30 years, never would have settled. This is just not Mike Leach's character to settle, I would think. But he, he would maybe said, now. Let, let's, his, his version of let's settle would be let's allow either a court or an arbitrator to hear the case yeah. and decide, and then whatever yeah. the arbitrator or judge or jury or whatever determines, that will be the settlement. To which Texas Tech would he might have been a little. He might have been a little blunter than that, and been like, "I'm not going to bleep and subtle with you." To be honest with you, maybe you know, Mike Leach. So, but hopefully, maybe now that you know, maybe the family would be willing to say, "Yeah, let's." Because at some point, you want acrimony put behind you. You just want to move forward. And so, I don't know if that's the case or not. I am hopeful that that is that Texas Tech had the common sense to reach out to the Leach family and say, "We want to do this." But we won't do it unless you're on board with it. And hopefully they said, yes, we were on board with it. And so then when they have this this moment at whatever game they have it at, uh, his wife and his children will be there to accept this honor for him. Greg and Jackson, you would think the Leach family would be the first to be contacted. You would think. Although logic doesn't always apply. Um, Let's see here. If Mike Leach had not died, would Texas Tech even consider him for this honor? No. Uh, Dwayne and Brandon, I think it's a good gesture out of respect for Mike Leach. Uh, Steven says, I think Texas Tech is just jumping on the sympathy bandwagon. I think to honor him, they should pay his family what they owe. Would love to hear from the family on this. Mike in Oxford says his family should let the folks at Tech know that Tech will have to pay a licensing fee to put Leach's name in their Hall of Honor. Let's get the NIL stuff going for the coaches. 
Uh, here's another one. Not sure how the family feels, but seems more like an olive branch or an attempt to pay respect to the best coach in their school's history. Uh, another one. If Texas Tech thinks enough of Mike Leach to honor him, then he meant more to them than everyone thinks, and the lawsuit was just business. Maybe so. Maybe so. The story at CBS Sports points out something interesting. It says his induction into the university's Hall of Honor comes amid questions surrounding his eligibility for induction into the College Football Hall of Fame in the wake of his death. Candidates for induction must coach for at least 10 years, win at least 100 games, and post a 600 career winning percentage. Leach falls short in the third category. His lifetime winning percentage is .596. And though he falls short in the third category, Archie Manning, who is the chairman of the National Football Foundation, previously indicated to Dennis Dodds at CBS Sports that it, quote, won't be a problem, close quote, for his eventual candidacy. And, And of course, the... the the real irony in that, Richard, is if he had coached the bowl game and just retired after that, he would be over six hundred or sixty yeah. percent. Yeah, and that was that was the compromise that was thrown out by Mississippi State. Some some people at Mississippi State to say this is his team. Let it let it let it count towards his record. That that feels like a very easy and great compromise that everybody would rally around. We'll see if they do it. Or you just if Archie Manning's behind it, you would think you could probably you could probably push it through. That's that feels like a guy who has some influence. You know, I actually I would go different than the direction you said. I, I would not okay. give him credit for a win for a game in which he did not coach, even though that was, as you said, quote, his team, close quote. Mm-hmm. But I would make an exception to the rule. And look, yeah. To to me, you can disagree with me if if you'd like. Mike Leach is not a future member of the College Football Hall of Fame because of wins and losses. He is not a future member of the College Football Hall of Fame because of what he did at Texas Tech or what he did at Mississippi State. To me, Mike Leach should be a member of the College Football Hall of Fame as a coach because of his offense that changed the game. The air raid offense is part of the story of the history of college football and its evolution through time. And that, to me, is worthy of inclusion in the College Football Hall of Fame because the air raid offense and its offshoots and its um, principles... Its concepts are all over the game. And when you impact a game in that way, I think there's an argument to be made that that is more impactful on the game of college football than just, oh, he won 61.4% of his games, or he coached for 20 years. Did you change the game? Mike Leach changed college football through the air raid. And that, therefore, is a reason that he should be part of the College Football Hall of Fame. 
Yeah, it's just my opinion, but that's what I think. Having a win percentage requirement, I find interesting because not every job is created equal. It's not the NFL where where everybody's on the same playing field. I mean, you you've got jobs where where coaches started at places where they made a jump to Division One. You know, you you've got guys that took over jobs that were dealing with crippling NCAA sh- sanctions. You've simply just got jobs that are a heck of a lot more difficult to win at than others. And so putting like this baseline, you have to win this many games requirement to make the Hall of Fame, I feel like is not the best way to go about it because it doesn't allow you to factor in guys like Mike Leach. And now they're going to change it and he's going to get in, but still, I find that... Yeah, but I think I I actually... I disagree with that a little because it's not win a certain number of games. It's win a percentage of your games. And and I'm not like picking nits with what you said. I just think the sample size is big enough when you say 10 years and 100 games that a requirement for a certain winning percentage is okay. Because it is the Hall of Fame. It's not the Hall of Really Good. It's not the Hall of, you know, rose through the ranks through tough jobs. It's, It's the best that have ever participated. And, I don't think just anybody should get in, but I do believe that this is an exception that makes sense. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. <laughs> On Super Talk Mississippi. So that he can't gloat and he can't be angry we got another team for you on our countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. Team number 79, which gets us current and on pace, the South Alabama Jaguars. They've only been a football program since 2009. The Joey Jones era. He was the first coach in the football program's history. Steve Campbell spent three years as the head coach, 2018-2019, and was fired following the 2019 season, or I guess the 2020. Uh, Kane Womack has uh, been the head coach at South Alabama for the last two years. And year number one with the Jaguars, his team went 5-7. and seven. They went 2-6 and six in the conference. But last year, Kane Womack led South Alabama to a 10-2 and two record, including a 7-1 and one mark in conference play and their first bowl game since the uh, Joey Jones era, first bowl game since 2016. They played in New- the New Orleans Bowl against Western Kentucky, lost that game by a final score of 44-23. to So uh, South Alabama in the Sun Belt Conference, certainly they have a rivalry with Troy and uh, a rivalry with uh, Southern Miss. And that's one that it feels like, because of the proximity of the two schools, really could continue to grow. Um, really good stadium. They opened Hancock-Whitney Stadium in September of 2020, hosting Tulane. It's about a 25,000-seat on-campus stadium. When the uh, the USA Today database came out yesterday, and it, it showed their athletics budget. I think it was $45 million, $44, $45 million. So a, a solid group of five budget there. A re- fertile recruiting ground. For uh, for South Alabama, uh, given that Mobile area being their uh, their home, South Alabama this year will uh, they've got some of their game times announced. They open the season with Tulane, 
So they go to Tulane for the season opener, southeastern Louisiana at home. Then they go to Stillwater to take on Oklahoma State in week three. It's a difficult start to the season with two of those first three games on the road. Central Michigan at home. Then they get into conference play. They go to James Madison, go to Monroe, host Southern Miss on Tuesday, October 17th, coming off an open date. So they'll have 10 days to get ready for that game. That'll be a big one. Tuesday night, October 17th against Southern Miss in Mobile. And then uh, they've got Louisiana at home. They go to Troy, Arkansas State at home, Marshall at home, and they finish the year on the road at Texas State. Does this feel like a big year for Kane Womack? Leading them to a, to a 10-2 and record in a bowl game a year ago, if they were to replicate that, does that kind of push Kane Womack higher onto the list of attractive coaches for major D1 so. jobs, Power 5 jobs? Yeah, you back-to-back great seasons at a group of five, you start getting on people's radars. You start, you start becoming a Power 5 candidate big time at that point. There, there's two in that state. Uh, Summerall as well, who had a, a similar season. Now it, it was just one, yeah. but still, both of those guys. I, I think if they replicate last year's success, will be on some radars. Not the right radars, though, because we we have to hire Splash every time we hire, no matter what. But the, and you've really got radars. three. You got an FCS guy and Chris Hatcher there at Samford, right? That people yeah. have looked at. He's an air raid guy. And uh, you know, I know he was on Mississippi State's offensive coordinator list for a little bit last year, uh, but I would think you know what he's what he's done at Samford, he could be a guy who maybe goes up to a group of five pretty soon. Yeah, could uh, could very well be the case. So uh, that's South Alabama, and we'll certainly be keeping eye uh, keeping an eye out for that game in October, middle of October, October seventeenth against Southern Miss. South Alabama team number seventeen on the countdown of one hundred teams in one hundred days. Is there anybody that just like jumps off the page as a famous alum from South Alabama, or do you not have that open? I didn't, I didn't even look it up because okay. we, we hadn't been doing it recently. That's all right. Uh, somebody said not a bad seat in the house at South Alabama as well. That's a good stadium. So it's a really good stadium. They did a nice job with that on campus. Twenty five thousand seats. Their facilities are uh, are pretty good. Rebuilt the, the baseball stadium as well. What uh, what have you got? Nothing you can uh, say. The number one. <laughs> no, I could say it. But uh, WWE Hall of Famer Paul Bearer was a uh, was a uh, South Alabama of alum. Uh, of yeah. course, he was. That's what that made me laugh. It's like really, he's number one on this list. Goodness gracious! A, uh, a reminder, Michael Borky and I. Hey, Dad will be off tomorrow, so Borky and I will be uh, at M Trade Park in Oxford for a really cool event. It's the uh, the 2023 Mississippi Bombers Summer Southeast Invite. Uh, well over 100 teams from uh, 120 teams for that matter from 15 states competing. Last year you had 85 softball coaches that were there from across the country scouting the players. Uh, just an elite field, and uh, we will be there tomorrow with you from three until six. We'll have college football conversation. Uh, we'll talk some softball as well, and uh, don't forget it'll be a Food Friday. And uh, we always look forward to that. Hey, Dad, enjoy the Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters. Don't uh, do not do anything too stupid. Just Or do, if if that's your thing. For Michael Borden and Brian Haydad in the Pearl River Resort Studio, I'm Richard Cross. Have a good night.
Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.